0: announcements that you need to know about. Deacons, we're going to meet right after church uh, this morning. I know that's a little short notice. I think uh, we may just switch into to that on, uh, on the Sundays that we meet. On Sunday mornings, I think that's a little bit better time for you guys, so if you can stick around, we've got a short meeting right after the uh, morning worship service. There's, uh, don't forget, my children, have um, worship bulletins for those that are three and above that, that are going to Children's Church. We've got the little fellowship table out there. has got some uh, bulletins on it for them. Three uh, plus and seven plus ages. And actually uh, the kind of go on in the chapter that we've got uh, this morning that we're going to be in. So be sure to get uh, some of those. And then um, we've got our um, Back tonight at uh, six o'clock, and we're going to choir, but we're not going to open choir one more week. Um, we'll start that night next week. And you sign up for the meal either online or there's a time sheet on the little table as well. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll open up an hour and worship and then take an offering. Father, we thank you this morning. Those that are sick, we've got uh, COVID uh, running way again, Lord. And I know someone's got it in the church or have got it, and we pray for them. Lord, we just ask this morning you to bless uh, the offering as it is given both in the week and this morning. Use it to the, uh, the building of your kingdom. Your, your way. Lord, we love you. Just stand. We're going to sing a fellowship course. And since there's so much going around, uh, just keep turning away from the people, all right? And say, Hallelujah.
1: Right? stand, turn, and say, Hallelujah. Right? Glad to have you all. Thank <laughs> you. let <laughs> I'll be i am be i be
0: Your Bible, this one that opened in Mark 8, our little guy, speaking away to Children's Church. Let me also say we're appreciation to Christopher for playing with us this morning, joining our praise band. Excited to have him and his gift. We've been in a series for some time on the questions that God asked, and then we started really this last Sunday. Moving into the New Testament, we said we're going to be part
1: in Mark 8
0: for a little while, um, looking at the two questions that that God. That I am. So we have been answering those two questions uh, beginning. Albert Holmes was not found guilty on four other charges related to lying to patients uh, by providing them faulty test results. The jury also was deadlocked on three charges for which the judge declared a mistrial. The verdict, of course, on the barring an appeal, brings sort of the end or the final chapter to what has been, for Silicon Valley and Silicon Valley, a fear Holmes she is a Stanford dropout, and she fancied herself. If you followed the kind of the story as a uh, Steve Jobs or in a mold of Steve Jobs, the, uh, the creator and founder of Apple, but uh, she was developing a, metal t- a medical device, and her company promised that they would have the ability to run all sorts of tests. True. And because of the nature of what was promised, we didn't keep investors from pouring into the the company. on uh, its promise. Now, perhaps maybe she really believed eventually they could do it. Uh, that would perhaps been the only defense that she had. Uh, but uh, really, the idea was so revolutionary that it was never really going to happen. Uh, it just simply wasn't real. Now, I'll tell you that story to kind of think about this morning's message as we continue to break down these questions. Uh, that Jesus asked the disciples, do people say that I am, I and mean, then exactly who do you say that I am? And I want us to look uh, at verses 31 through verse 33 today. The fuller to text we read last week, i to read all of that again to you. Verses 22 through verse 38 uh, Jesus heals uh, in a uh, serried kind of a way, uh, he, he gives a touch, then a second touch. Well, let's look at verses 31 through verse 33. And we're really going to be primarily in verse 31 this morning. And he, that is Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of me. Last week, we looked at those three, um, I guess, possibilities of how you answer the question, who does the world say that Jesus is? We said, either, um, you could answer that question in one of four ways, you could say, well, Jesus final answer and the final possibility, of course, is that Jesus was who he said he was. and He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And we said, of course, that's our answer. That's the answer that Peter gave. You are Lord. You are Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the promised one. Now, let me dig a little deeper with you this morning as we think about well, how do we know that? How do we answer that uh, in a way of, trying to fake it till he made it. No, he was Lord. Well, one of the great proofs that Jesus is our Lord and the Lord of Lords is what I want to call the Lord's Passion. You know, I was looking at that word passion. I was thinking about it this week as we were uh, uh, going to be in this this topic together. And when you think about the Lord's Passion, probably the first thing that comes to mind uh, for us today is uh, Mel Gibson's of you know, that word passion is strictly built in the suffering of Jesus. When we talk about passion today and But originally, it was an old French word that spoke of the suffering of Christ. So when I talk about the the proof is in the passion of Christ, I'm talking this morning about the suffering of Jesus. I want you to see three things that really stand out in this 31st verse that speak to our Lord's passion. Number one, our Lord's passion was says in verse 31, Luke tells us, or Mark tells us, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He began to teach them. That word began suggests that this is new information. This is something that is for them come out of left field almost. The disciples had not really heard this before. Jesus is now teaching a total, Sort of a narrative to who he is, why he's come, and what he is here to do. And uh, from this point forward, we said this last week, Jesus would begin to speak openly about his impending death. I said to you last week, I think one of the the Supreme Court justices had read the book uh, about Mark's gospel, and he said, really gospel is nothing more than death control. Jesus talking about his death and then of course uh, going into the, the, the passion itself and witnessing the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Now if you uh, look back in verse 30 we're told that Jesus has strictly warned the disciples that they shouldn't tell anyone about him. Peter's made this great confession. He's asked these two important questions. We're looking at The world say that I am, and Peter makes that question, uh, that statement. Or they tell him, well, some think Elijah, uh, some think, you know, one of the prophets, uh, perhaps some think you're John the Baptist, and Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes that great confession: You are the Christ, You are Lord. And then Jesus says something rather strange. Maybe when we hear it today, because we know that our mission, our purpose, is what to tell everyone. But Jesus says something strange here is that he says, don't tell anyone. As a matter of fact, we're told he strictly warned them that they should not tell anyone about him. That word warned is an interesting word. It's also the same word used in Mark 1, verse 25, where he rebuked the demons. So this is no little warning. This is is on the edge of a rebuke. Jesus is, is, is giving a very stern, this point, the disciples thought that Jesus had come into this world uh, to uh, perhaps uh, lead them as a a leader on this earth, as a person on this earth, to establish a kingdom upon this earth. Um, And this is one of the things that they really struggled with, because in their mind, they thought, well, Jesus is going to have an army and a kingdom, and and he's going to sit on the throne that he's going to be this sort of kind of ruler. They knew that he was unlike anyone they had ever seen met, talk to or followed before. I mean, there had never been anyone like Jesus, and there will never be anyone like Jesus. For Jesus is truly uh, unique in that he was God as well as man. But what they didn't understand is that he came for a specific purpose, and that purpose was to die for the sins of the world. Now uh, remember when Satan tempted Christ earlier in his uh, public ministry, or when he was getting ready to go into the public ministry. You remember when Jesus went out there in the wilderness um, and spent that time, and Satan came and tempted him. You remember Satan chose to tempt Jesus um, to be selfish, uh, to bypass this, this. I love what uh, John Phillips, my favorite commentator, uh, and uh, a writer that's out there, uh, he wrote uh, a little bit on this word, must, the must of Jesus. Let me give you something of what he talked about. He said, the son of Man, Jesus, assuringly stunned his disciples when he said he, now listen to this, must be killed. Not that he would be killed. Not that he might, Of uh, Philip says must be killed incredible unbelievable and, and and so he launches into thinking about the mysterious must of the Bible. We think about Jesus and he had reminded Nicodemus. He says as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must he said to Nicodemus, the Son of Man be lifted up. And we think about uh, what John wrote in John four in verse four uh, about Jesus. Must need go through Samaria. He was talking to the disciples, and Jesus said, Guys, you don't understand I can't go that way. I have a must. There is a must-need to go through Samaria. And and part of that was one that Jesus could meet that woman at the well and speak to those Samaritan people and share with them of the good news of salvation. And we have John 4 that we find that listen. Salvation hasn't just come to the Jews as it did in John 3, but salvation has come to the world as we have given to us in John 4. There's a lessness there, though. I want you to see, Jesus was not doing something that he just might do or simply wanted to do or was willing to do. He had a lessness to it. And then we think about uh, what he said to his own own mom and dad, uh, uh, to uh, Mary and and to Joseph, you remember? Luke tells us about how Jesus, you know, they carried him to the temple, and somehow they got away from him, and they, they they had lost Jesus. Can you imagine losing Jesus? Imagine, I mean, you are you know, talking about some you know, some heart swallowing and, and some shaking nerves. I mean, think about it. Moses and I mean Joseph and Mary both know that Jesus is God's son, God Himself. They they know they've been to take care of him and look after him. And they've misplaced him. are you gonna explain that one day to God. We just looked around and we're gone. (laughs) But anyway, they were were really struggling with him. But they found him where he the temple. And I mean, they're not put off with Jesus. And they're talking to him, you know what Jesus says to him? Did you not know that I Delivered by the determined counsel in the foreknowledge of God the You see, all of this had been settled in heaven countless ages ago. Oh, God the Father knew that we needed a kinsman redeemer, one that would come and save the lost people of Adam from the ruin of sin. So the, the lessness proves that Jesus was no fake. This is why I've come to die. Don't get the idea. The world wants to say, "Well, Jesus just got caught up in something that was bigger than him. Things got away from him. He didn't really mean to go to the cross, and he accidentally ended up getting himself crucified." No, dear friend, with Jesus. Is to live our life as long as God gives us life. It gives us breath. It's to, it's to live our life to His glory. But Christ was born to die for the glory. Second thing, our Lord's passion involves misery. Verse thirty-one, we're told He must suffer many things. Most of the time, when we talk about the suffering of Christ, we're a little bit like uh, Mel Gibson in his movie. We just spend most of our time there at the cross, and certainly there's so much suffering there at the cross. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that there's you know any way that we can really the the suffering that Jesus went through. I mean, we've seen pictures of the cross, we've seen the movies about the. I'm not to be walking through uh, the territory of the Roman Empire and see people on the cross. That was the common way of dealing with, with criminal, thieves, malcontents, or whoever was an enemy to Rome. And if you got on the bad side of the political system, they'd just stick you on that, tacky to a piece of wood, and leave you out there to rot and, you know, you know just be scavenged by the birds or whatever animals. I mean he, they, they understood it. And, and then when Jesus talked about dying and, and they were going to be following him, they knew that the cross perhaps lay in their path. So it wasn't no easy thing to follow Jesus when he starts to we talked about dying. But he didn't just suffer the cross, he suffered many other things. He suffered the rejection of his family. I mean, Mary knew, of course, and Joseph knew, and we know that that, that Joseph hates Go you to know, get him to bring him home, like, you know, you need to stop talking about this dead stuff. You know, you're, you're, you're bringing a bad name to the family. His family rejected him. His family kind of said, you know, he's a little nice. He suffered the uh, continuous rejection of his teachings and miracles by the religious leaders. The people in that, day that that should have done are the ones that should have said, this is, Son of God, him. Can, can you imagine? Imagine that today, if God showed up visibly. Suffered the injustice from the world's governments. A well, lot of talk today about justice and equality and justice in the, the governments of our world. Let me tell you, Jesus was headed towards some dark days. You're you talking about a phony, fake trial and being mistreated in the justice system. The suffering was was going to grow more and more intense. And, and listen, through the suffering, Jesus was going to feel more and more alone until to at some point Jesus is totally abandoned. Dr. Rogers said it this way, tongues cannot tell, throat cannot sing, hand cannot paint the tragedy that was enacted on that, uh, on that hill that's called Calvary. Only the damned in hell can begin to know the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ upon cross. I, I want you to think of the suffering of the Lord Jesus that has made his way to the cross. Not just when he got to the cross, but even as he went that way, the emotional suffering. Think for just a moment about Gethsemane. It's there in that garden that Jesus goes through the agony of Gethsemane. Luke 22, verses 40 through 42. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from those disciples from out of stone's throne, the Bible says. And he went and he knelt down and he began to pray, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours, be done. There's that message again. Here's the the place where Jesus is praying in a garden called Gethsemane. That word Gethsemane literally means It speaks symbolically of the pressure that Jesus was under in this moment. He was under intense emotional pressure. You see, as Jesus had had been with the disciples there on Mount Zion, uh, and he had had that Lord's Supper, that Last Supper, he leaves Mount Zion, he leaves uh, there, he goes across the city of Jerusalem, he goes into this garden here uh, as darkness has come, and he separates himself. And as he's making his way into the garden, he's crossed over that uh, Kidron priest Brook. And on this night, um, scholars tell us that that Brook would have been run red with the blood that was coming out of the temple uh, for the sacrifices that were being drained. And all of this would have reminded him of his blood that sin would be spilled. And there in that little secret place, listen, he had pressed upon him what was coming. And so intense was the pressure. Even though there was this mustness, he knew why he had came. He knew why he was here. He says in that prayer, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from you. What is this cup that Jesus speaks of? I believe that it is the pollution of sin. I, I believe that that cup is sin itself. Paul says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All of the sin of the world was going to be distilled into that one cup. Think about it. You ever done something, you wish you had a done, or said something, found something, felt something, and later on you felt bad about it? And particularly Say, say something or claim something so unbelievable that no one could ever truly accomplish. Come up with something more absolutely unbelievable than the resurrection. Because that's what Jesus says. I, I can't think of anything bigger to, to say that you're going to accomplish and do that Okay, I'm going to die. Magicians, they have a, how did they do it, or something like that. They have a magician on there, and the magician comes on to try to feel like the full and color and uh, to see if they can do it in such a way that they don't know. You know, and there they are, they're they experienced, accomplished magicians themselves, and, so, and most of the time they already know the gimmick, they know the trick. Let me tell you something no one would dare to say. story of, of a preacher. They had the idea that Jesus just swung on the cross for a while, you know, kind of faked, faked like he was dying, and then, you know, was in the tomb, and just kind of went back up feeling better. And, well, the city editor, the paper, had a, had, a, had a pretty good response to him in his paper. He said, well, how about you go to the cross, and you suffer through this, 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 and this, and see how well you on your way. and then you, you go through being See <laughs> you spirit of the holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ is our Lord. Destroy the, the resurrection has been Satan's pride ever since then. If you destroy the resurrection then there's no reason for justification. Romans 5, 4, 25 And was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Is there any reason why the devil doesn't hate the doctrine of the resurrection? If he can Even sadder, were there were those in the New Testament church that that, that, that didn't know whether the resurrection was real or not. Paul speaks about that in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 12. And and the sad thing is, there are those today. There are those that stand in the pulpit of God in the the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and and doubt and question the resurrection. But I can tell you that the resurrection is real, it is a fact. Three things God gave us the prophecy of the resurrection. God gave us the proof of the resurrection and God has shown us the purpose of the resurrection. The prophecy. Way back in the Old Testament, God said that listen, his son will be uh, lifted up, put to death, and what? Come back to life. Jesus foretold it and he did it. We have the proof. You, we have the witnesses. The Bible speaks Listen, of the, the Bible truly speaks to about a thousand witnesses of Christ's resurrection. And we're 500 on the day of Pentecost that saw him. And I can tell you, people will willingly live for a life, but no man and woman dies for a life. And many of those early Christians gave up their life, went to the cross, and suffered like Jesus suffered, because they wouldn't deny their faith. Because we need his salvation. We need what only Jesus can get. But John Francis Lamb. Science by which questions of fact are ascertained and demonstrated in contested questions in courts of justice. He said this the resurrection. Someone listening, someone here still struggling to answer that question. Maybe there's been that, that nagging little doubt somewhere that Jesus because there was a divine purpose behind it. There was this question. You knew it. You were not a faker. You were trying to fake it till you made it. You came for a purpose you never for. And, and Lord, that, that tells us that when we put our faith in you, it's not late faith. It, it, it's not a faith that we can feel squishy about. it, that we're worried about or anxious about, we can That's simple, that passed from death to life. a new life in yeah. Or perhaps a Christian today says, I have been living out the faithful as I ought to live it. With the same sort of rushness in my life that you lived in your life, Jesus, for me. today, I want to give you my life. Because you deserve it. Whatever decision made, the day We pray God's blessings upon you As you worship with us today If God has led you to make a decision Today for Jesus We would love to hear about it We invite you to come to our website Come to the cross dot net Our online decision card will allow you To tell us about the decision That you're making All decisions, all contacts Are kept private and Are confidential However we would be able to pray for you And perhaps I'd even be able to